If you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. While you're getting there, um, just a couple things. First off, I heard a quote not too long ago, um, and it goes something like this. Uh, if you want to get in shape, working out is 90% mental, the other 10% is all just in your head. Did you catch that? That was a joke. Um, and as I thought on that, like, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that that's like pretty much everything. 90% of whatever we do is mental, uh, and then the other 10% is just all in our head. And uh, basically, what I'm trying to get at is th- this is this is a um, a game with our mind. Uh, the mind is is such an important part of uh, of our existence. And um, uh, I've been singing um, 1979 Foreigner Head Games. wasn't even alive when it came out. Totally just dated myself. Um, but uh, this this whole week, I've just I've been thinking on this whole concept that that uh, that that we are engaged in in a um, in 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 a mental um, struggle, a mental battle, uh, a mental playground. Depending on where where you're at right now, sometimes you you feel like you're in in a mental battle. Sometimes you feel like you're in a mental playground. Uh, sometimes you feel like you're in a mental hospital. Um, yes. So First uh, John chapter two. Uh, John was known as the beloved disciple. By the way, in the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, which is all what the Apostle John wrote, he refers to himself as John the Beloved. Um, Which I think is funny because, you know, that might come across as arrogant. I just think it comes across as someone who is extremely firm in their identity. Like he got it. He knew that not only was he the beloved disciple, but so are you. And so am I. Um, throughout his language, he, he uses the term beloved so many times. Beloved, my little children, like we are beloved. And so like before we go any further, I just want you to receive the fact that you're beloved today. Like no matter where you're sitting, where you've come from, like you are deeply and dearly loved by God. He loves you beyond measure. He loves you beyond measure no matter what you've done, where you came from, what you're going to do next year or 10 years from now, he is madly, deeply and madly in love with you. And John wanted us to know it. And so uh, I just, I want to jump into this uh, for for a few minutes as we talk about some head games, all right, that that we play. So in 1 John, uh, John is writing to uh, a group of believers that are uh, being threatened by uh, a, a, a different doctrine that doesn't talk about Jesus being the Son of God. That's kind of the, the backdrop. And, um, and he, he talks about in uh, 1 John chapter 2 that, that we're in the, the last hours as the, uh, the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist is here and so on and so forth. And if you, you know, aren't careful, you'll just kind of get bogged down into this, uh, you know, I need to go buy a bomb shelter and get 10,000 pounds of food and stock up on ammo and all that kind of stuff. And if you do that, just tell me where you live and I'll show up whenever it all goes down, okay? Um, but, uh, but anyway, so um, 
I, I just want to jump in this morning. It says in, in uh, 1 John chapter 2, let's look at verse 20. He says this. You have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Hang on right there for a minute. I, I want to focus on the last half of that verse before we go forward. You all have knowledge. Um, if, if you would put that little um, thing that I, yes. Okay, I channeled my inner Josh Dinginga when I drew this, all right? Um, so so here, here it is. Um, that, that says, you all have knowledge. Let's just kind of focus on that statement for a minute. You all have knowledge. Um, the word knowledge it basically means that like you have seen something, you perceive something to be true, and therefore it is your reality. It's your, your perception. And, and the, the way that the world wants to define us is, is by this right here. Okay, and this is the way that it makes sense in my brain. If you want to unpack it a different way, I'm, I'm good with that. But it's, it's like there's you, there's the you that's in here. And, and you're, 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 you're born and, and what starts happening over time is you have experiences and these experiences actually dictate or develop who you become. It's what your personality is made out of. If you're shy, it might be because people told you that you shouldn't talk much. Um, if, if you didn't do well in school, it might be because people told you you weren't the smartest kid. Maybe your parents said that. Maybe your friends said that. Whatever, it's we are a product or a result of some of our experiences, good and bad. I remember, um, my, I love my parents. I had a great upbringing, and they told me pretty much I could do whatever I wanted to do. And so I was, I was confident, somewhat cocky, kind of arrogant growing up, but, um, but, but my experiences helped me walk in confidence because they told me I could do whatever. If I wanted to be a, a doctor, a lawyer, a spaceman, a whatever, I could do it. And for, uh, this is how the world defines us, and, and, and largely, what the church has focused on uh, for a while now is that outer circle, the experiences. We focus on those things, right? If you've been hurt in your past or so on and so forth, we, we look at that, uh, that outer circle and, and actually what comes out whenever we relate with people is that outer layer, because that's the filter by which we have conversations and, and the, the way that our personality comes out. And so the church for years is focused on that. But what I'm posing to you is, is maybe there's something deeper. Maybe there's something deeper. And, um, and, and so uh, I, I just want to encourage you to think on this for a minute, okay? Um, who do you give the right to speak into you? Who do you give the right to speak to that outer circle that says experiences? Who tells you who you are? Who tells you that you're not smart enough or that you are a genius? Who tells you that you're good enough or not good enough? Who tells you that you are who you are? Who do you allow, what voices do you allow to speak to that? Because I promise you, if you want to know where you've been, if you want to know why you're where you're at right now, you just look backward to where you, you have been. And the voices that you've listened to 
And then it's real easy to see, well, this is how I arrived here. So John was not only saying that you have knowledge, you have experience, but he says, listen to this, you've been anointed by the Holy One. Um, anybody care to take a stab at who the Holy One is in this passage? Jesus. It's Jesus. Okay, so, so watch this for a minute because this, this is significant. Jesus anointed us. Um, I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but um, Jesus' last name wasn't Christ. The word Christ in the Greek literally means the anointed one. So anytime you see the word Christ, Christos in the Greek, like go ahead and just um, switch it to anointed. Jesus, the anointed one. So, so watch this. It says the Holy One anointed us. In the Old Testament, the, the word anoint is a, a very, very simple word. I love the Hebrew language because it's very, very literal. Um, but the, um, the word anoint means to smear, to cover something. And in the Old Testament, you have tons and tons of examples of uh, anointings. And in all the research and study and things like that that I've done on this subject, you can basically boil it down to six things. Um, anointing in the Old Testament is either for a, a job description or some sort of purpose. It's either for like a, an office or, or a purpose. And so when you look in the Old Testament, people get anointed when either they're going to become king, priests, or prophets. That's, that's it. King, priests, or prophets. The other place where people get anointed in the Old Testament is for a particular purpose. All right? And in that, it's, they are, uh, they're anointed for either purification, healing, or burial. So watch this. The anointed in the Old Testament, king, priest, or prophet, purification, healing, burial. Who does that sound like? Jesus. God is writing a story from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Jesus embodied king, priest, and prophet. He embodied purification, healing, and burial. And listen, okay, it doesn't stop there. That's what blows my mind, is the anointed one anointed you and me. And so now the, the, the covering, the anointing that's on your life is king, priest, and prophet. It's healing, purification, and burial. Tons of New Testament scripture. You've died to yourself. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, right? Now, you have a relationship with a king. You have access to a prophetic word, to things that you don't have access to without an empowering of the Holy Spirit. And you have a mediator, like it says in Hebrews, a high priest that intercedes on your behalf. You have access to the king to the priest, to the prophetic word. 
You die to yourself. You bury for healing, to give that away and for purification. When God looks at you, he sees the purity of Jesus. We are the anointed ones, friends, and it's time to believe that and receive that in its fullness. So what's the head game that we play today? He says in verse 21, watch this. I write to you, not because you don't know the truth. Not because you don't know the truth, but because you you know it. He's encouraging them in this because there's no lie of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? In other words, Jesus is the anointed one, right? That he's been anointed. This is the antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So now watch this, all right? I I tried to unpack this as best as I could in my brain. And this is kind of where we landed, or where I landed. We, there's like five of me in there right now. Basically, it comes down to this, friends. As we operate in this world, there are two influences or motivations that are speaking to you. Um, Our uh, charismatic friends will call it the spirit. There are two spirits. The word spirit literally means breath or motivation. So if you feel more comfortable calling it an influence or a motivation, you can call it that. If you want to call it spirit, you can call it spirit. The reality is there are two spirits that are motivating or speaking to us all the time. There are two motivations, two spirits that are at play that want to get this define what your experience is. John said that you are anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. Guess what? That experience, that knowledge is at stake because there are influences that are speaking into those experiences in your life. Always. So watch this. The first one, it'll be up on the screen, is we've already discussed that. We, we have Christ, which means anointed, right? And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the empowering or a mind shift that starts with the covering of the person of the Holy Spirit. And the result of that is that we receive truth through a confession and a promise. Truth basically means that which can't be hidden. It means that because Jesus came, now all truth is available to all of us at all times. It cannot be hidden anymore. There is all truth available to every one of us that says yes to Jesus and the receiving of the anointing that he gives us through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Confession. Literally, when we confess with our mouths, it means that you are coming into agreement with this thought process. And what you receive in that is a promise. A promise is a legal word. It's a judicial term in the Greek that that basically means um, what is appropriately fitting on. A promise. That's what we get in return for this. And it says in verse 25, it says the promise that he made to us is eternal life. It's like, being settled and assured that you know who you are and where you're going. It's being settled and assured. On the other side of this, the other spirit, the other motivation, 
is the, it says in the, the passage, the spirit of the Antichrist, right? Put that up there. Yes, Antichrist. So watch, Holy Spirit, unholy spirit. That's what we've got. Those are our two motivations. It's either motivated by the Father, motivated by an unholy spirit, something that's not from the Lord. The word anti in Greek literally means against the anointing. But in the Greek, the word anti, the the implication means that there is a desire to substitute or replace the anointing. So, So get this, okay? This is the enemy's tactic for all of us is he wants us to not receive the anointing that we've been given from Jesus. He wants us to not receive the empowering of truth and confession and a promise. He wants us not to receive those things because when we do that, we buy into a lie through a denial of the truth and therefore we are deceived. A lie basically means that you've been misled. It means that you, you've took a wrong turn somewhere. Your GPS was off, right? Literally. I've seen so many people become something that they weren't intended to be because they believed a lie. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Somebody told me I was this. I was going to raise heck my whole life, and so I just did, right? They bought into a lie that their, their destiny's already made out for them, that they're just going to just wander. And so they deny the truth, and what happens is they result, the result is that they are deceived. They're deceived. The word deceive, um, uh, in, in the Greek, the root word comes from the word where we get our word planet. Planet. And the word planet in the Greek basically means big ball that wanders around. It's a tactic of the enemy, friends, to get you off course, to deny the truth, to deny the confession, to get you just to spend your whole life wandering aimlessly with no purpose, feeling defeated, like you've got nothing left to give. And it's time for the church to quit acting this way. It goes on. He said, let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. What you've heard, what what drew you to Jesus in the first place? Hope, love, passion, something different than you didn't have before. Let what you have heard from the beginning. By the way, um, in uh, John's gospel, in John chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He's saying, hey man, this has existed before you ever began. It's been a promise for you, for me, for all of us from the very beginning of time itself. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and the Father. In this promise, he made to us eternal life. The word abide literally means to take up residence. It means for something to live in wherever it is, if you're going to abide in something, all right? So, so abide. This is one of the promises that we've got to hang on to. He says in verse 26, I write these things to you 
because there are people that are trying to deceive you. But listen to this. The anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. So watch this, okay? Um, Skip that second circle and do the third circle, the one that has Christ in the middle. Perfect, thank you. You guys are so slick. I just want to unpack this just for a couple minutes and then we're going to land the plane. Listen to, to these words. But the anointing, Remember the word anointing is Christ. The anointing that you received from Jesus, listen, abides in you. In other words, let the anointing take residence in your very innards. If you are, picture yourself as a house, right? Open the doors and let Christ, let the anointing, let Holy Spirit come in you and live. Take residence. Let it, let him abide in you. I write these things so that that anointing that you've received from him would abide in you. And listen, you'd have no need that anybody should teach you. You see, friends, me standing on this stage isn't actually teaching you. It's the anointing that I am receiving and discussing with you, connecting to the anointing that you have. And we are walking in agreement together. That's what the church is, is when what I say that comes out of my mouth that is from the Lord, your spirit of discernment connects and goes yes and amen. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in you. It's the anointing that we've all received that we willingly want to grow in. And I love how, like, when, you, when, you, when that happens, when, when Christ, when the anointing abides in you, then that outer circle, what people actually see, is the Son and the Father. Your actions change. Your belief system changes. Your mind changes. Your eyes change. The way you think, the way you look at the world, it all changes. And you know what it is? It's not you. It's Jesus' life lived out through you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit living a life of fulfillment and freedom out in your tired, weary old body. It's such a beautiful picture. And so friends, like, like I've been thinking on this for a while on how to abide. Because that's the key. There's no me in the circle in these experiences that make me who I am. The reality is if I can get this, this changes everything. And so I've been thinking, how do I adequately unpack what it means to abide in Christ? To live for Christ, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to live in you. And this was the, the best way that I could make sense of it, okay? And so I'm going to unpack it for you by a 30-second video clip. All right, so this is a practical example of how to abide, how to allow Christ to abide, the anointing to abide in you. All right, watch it.
product of my loins. Y'all didn't know Steph Curry was at Sweet Frog this last week, did you? Um, that's my son. He's four. And um, uh, my family was at Sweet Frog. And uh, my sister-in-law pulled out her phone and puts that song on and goes, Liam, will you, will you dance to this? And that happened in the middle of Sweet Frog with people there and like in the middle of the day and all that kind of stuff. And I was watching that video this week and, and literally like the Lord was like, that's how you abide. Like, like think about this for a minute with me. He doesn't think about where his food comes from, where his clothes come from, the roof over his head, how he's going to get where he's going. He doesn't think about what's happening tomorrow. He is fully present in the moment he's in. There's an implicit trust that happens in a child. They don't think about finances. They don't think about paying the bills. They don't think about tomorrow. They don't think about the mounds of stress and struggles and whatever. They're just who they are, where they are at. I'm not saying we're all inherently good, but there's this purity, this innocence, and a childlike faith that Jesus told us we've got to have. You see, friends, here's the deal. There's something that resides in my son's subconscious. Below his thought patterns that empowers him to do that. He could care less about who's there. He could care less about what people think. He could care less about what's going on in the world. He's just a kid loving life, eating ice cream, getting sugary, acting crazy like he just loves what he's doing. He loves himself. Guys, we bought into the lie that we're worthless, that our lives are, 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 are just throwaways. We've screwed up so much. We've missed the mark so much. We've got bills to pay and a job to maintain and a family and like all these things and and we deal in fear and what ifs. And it's a lie from the enemy to get us to walk away from the anointing that resides below our thought patterns. You see, friends, I can't give you a three-point message. I can't give you a a to-do list of how to dig out of this. Because it's not about even changing your thought pattern. Because the reality is you can't change your thought patterns. I can't give you a five-step program of read your Bible and do this and do that, and then all of a sudden you're going to be dancing in the middle of Sweet Frog. What I've realized as I've been thinking through this is that in order to get that, that anointing, that I've received from the Lord, the, the presence of God's Holy Spirit that resides in me to come out and, and flesh itself out, live its life out in me. 
one of the biggest problems is that my mind has been seared by all of the things that have happened to me, good and bad. I develop a, a, a belief system about who I am based off of what you say or what I've been told. And we all do this. So who are you listening to? It broke my heart. Like, I, I totally think that this is just so timely. But, but like, it, it broke my heart because um, a couple days ago, my wife uh, was watching this video on her phone. It's on Facebook. And, and she was watching this video on her phone of my son dancing. And at the end of it, she cracked up laughing. I mean, it's our kid. We'll watch that video a thousand times, right? And laugh, like, every single time. And she cracked up laughing. And Liam goes, Mommy, why did you laugh? And all of a sudden, I went, there it goes. That outer circle experiences its beginning. This unhindered spirit of a four-year-old is all of a sudden now a voice goes, you can't dance at Sweet Frog. (laughs) People are going to laugh at you. Guess what? We didn't tell him that. We didn't create that. You know where that came from? An unholy spirit that resides in this world that is fighting tooth and nail for us not to receive the anointing that we have on the inside, to live unhindered, to dance, to act silly, to be ridiculous for the Lord. I just remember looking at that when he asked that question and I thought there's going to come a day where he won't dance in Sweet Frog anymore. And then I was reminded that there was a day where I stopped dancing too. And it's because I've allowed my mind to be seared by this culture. Good and bad. Good and bad. I've allowed my mind to be framed, to be developed. There's wounds literally on my brain that have told me for years who I am and who I'm not. So my question this morning is, who are you listening to? There's got to be something below your subconscious that you receive that literally when it talks in in Corinthians about having a renewed mind, literally the picture that I've had is like this scar on your mind and and like, like all of a sudden out of that scar, that anointing that's in you, out of that scar comes a brand new brain. Out of that scar comes a brand new thought pattern. It's from the Lord. And so the only way that I've figured out like How are we going to respond to this today? Is by asking the Lord to renew, to make new our subconscious. Down low, deep inside of us, below our thought patterns. And we have to believe, we have to hang on to the anointing that we received from the beginning. 